Hello, everybody. Welcome to. I'm talking here. That was excellent. Thank you very much. You're very well. You're very welcome. Have you been practicing? I have been practicing every I listen, night. I listened to the previous podcast, and you know when I said that my version of "I'm talking here" was better than yours. Yeah. I was wrong, and I apologise. Are you we okay much. to move on? We are indeed. Excellent. Thank you. I'm talking here is your podcast for all things film nonsense. So all those little nooks and crannies, obviously we'll do the reviews and our recommendations and little features here and there, but all kind of the oddball, weird bits of film and cinema uh, that you care to cram into your ear holes is here for you. However, we do have a special guest with us for today's podcast, and we're hoping that he'll be a regular uh, going forwards. Are you ready, Mr. Brent? I am ready. Practice this. Three, two, one. Here's Adam. Hello. Adam pretending that he is sort of talking from the other side of the room (laughs) for some reason. Uh, Adam is one of our year 12 uh, students. Uh, Adam, how are you feeling to be on our podcast? Uh, I feel liberated. You should be. This is a liberating experience. Yeah, it is. So Adam is going to be doing, Adam's going to be part of um, our features He's going to have his own little feature because Adam loves bad films and we sometimes don't understand why he loves bad films. Um, But he's going to be bringing us some bad films that he feels are massively underrated and we're looking forward to that being a regular feature. Adam's key aim is to make us want to actually go and watch these films. Yeah. I don't think he'll succeed, but we'll we'll find out. No, I don't either. But hey, anything can happen. It can indeed. So, are we ready to move on with the show, everybody? We are ready. Yes. Yeah. Hooray! Okay, so as last week we talked about cats in movies, we're going to have a similar discussion about something. Now, before this, uh, Aaron Day said, let's all watch Triple Frontier, and we can talk (laughs) about it in the podcast. So I made sure that I did that in (laughs) short bursts to then find out that what Aaron really meant was, I'm going to watch Free Solo and you can watch Triple Frontier. <laughs> so based on that, we've been thinking, what would be our ultimate action film? Now, we've been given five actors to cast. We can also cast a villain and we need a premise as well. So I'll go first. Okay, go So I've gone for uh, J.K. Simmons. Right. Yes. Yeah. Villain or one of the heroes? Oh, no, these are all heroes. Right, so he's okay. like your sage. He's going to be your one who knows what's going on. Yeah. Okay. I... Does he whack people with drumsticks? Oh, Ooh. he does now. Okay. And symbols. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Sterling K. Brown. Don't who's... know who that is. Oh, he was amazing in American Crime Story. He's in uh, Black Panther. He's um, uh, Killmonger's uh, dad. So the, the oh, old, okay, oh, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Good he's stuff. in um, This Is Us as well. Okay. <clears throat> the uh, Bless you. Thank you. That wasn't a sneeze, though. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say for a cop? Ca- carry on. <laughs> I don't know. Just carry on. Right. <laughs> carry on. Uh, next one. I couldn't decide. I mean, I had Emily Blunt mm-hmm. or Amy Adams. But Emily Blunt's awesome in a sort of action thing, so I might give it to Amy Adams. And yeah. uh, I want her to kick some serious bottom. And um, next one, I think it's Aiko Uwas. So from the raid, like Indonesian martial arts, get that all in there. One of the great uh, action martial art 
stars of of recent memory. Yeah. That guy is incredible. The thing the choreography in those raid movies is second to none. The the crime though of Force Awakens is just having them shown up to be eaten by a massive space monster. Yeah. Though. Um and for sort of the comic relief, I'm gonna go Emma Stone. Nice. And she could be a nice one to go in. Yeah. Okay. And they're all gonna be fighting against Tilda Swinton. So the premise I've called it body swap. Okay, Ooh. body swap. It's like intense okay. Tricky Friday. Yes, <laughs> yes, but actually. Um, so you've got the four people. So unfortunately, J.K. Simmons isn't involved because he has to stay on Earth. Yeah. Okay. He's actually in the film. He's... Just credit him as <laughs> in the film. <laughs> just credit him. Give him some money. He's awesome. Um, so he stays on Earth. He's still integral to the film. Right. Okay. Because what the other four do is then they consciously travel <laughs> to another planet. Where there are <laughs> really robot versions of themselves. Yeah. Okay. And that's because there's something called the swarm. <laughs> yeah. And the swarm is coming. <laughs> nice and original. I know, right? I realise I have just nicked from films for this. It's really weird. And they've got to get to the centre of the planet because if the centre of the planet blows up, then all life ends. So okay. I, I can see you thinking, where does J.K. Simmons come into this? <laughs> Now, <laughs> you've got their bodies are left on Earth, okay? Because yeah. it's just their consciousness. Yeah. So, <laughs> J.K. Simmons, people think he's a murderer because he's got like four dead bodies. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he, no, you, you just wait. So he's running from the police. <laughs> Who's the villain again? Tilda Swinton. Right, okay. What's she doing? She's the police. <laughs> She's the what? She's the police. The police? Yeah. Okay. So I've got... Go on. A hoverboard chase. Yeah. With uh, dirt boating. Dirt. What is dirt boating? Dirt boating is when you take like a bike. Just so you know, dirt boating does sound like some sort of weird <laughs> euphemism. <laughs> it is 18 rated. Right, okay. But you do take a boat... Have some wheels as well. Uh, and you're doing some dirt boating. And then you've got a pothole in shootout. Right. Nice and tense and quite slow moving. Yeah. Uh, you've got a trampoline fight. This yeah. is on J.K. Simmons' uh, part, okay? Yeah. Right. How does the fight take place on a trampoline? Okay, so the trampoline fight, that's where J.K. Simmons comes back in because he's got all these uh, bodies, effectively. And he's got to travel with them. So he ends up... I like a trampoline park. Hmm? This is no longer an action film. This it is. is. No, Have you seen trampolining? It's a David Lynch movie. That's effectively what Wait you're... Wait for Adam. That's what... Adam's will be a David That's Lynch. what you're creating here. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm not. go on. So he's got to like... You can't leave him in the car, so he's got to take them in. Uh -huh. And then you get this amazing sequence where like all the... <laughs> They're all bouncing around. as J.K. Simmons. <laughs> Around. Just so you know, then, I've already got your soundtrack to that scene. Yeah. Baby, give it up, give it up, baby, give it up. The raid guy, yeah. he, his robot version gets destroyed, so he comes back into consciousness. And imagine him on a trampoline fighting some people. Who's he fighting? Like people. Please. <laughs> Anyone who gets in the way. Kids, whatever. But just so you know, Iko Uwais can doesn't need trampolines. He is already able to just, jump like 25 feet. He doesn't so. need them. 
But he can already jump 25 feet. He would be in orbit. <laughs> That's what he can do. The guy would be in orbit. Jump in orbit. That sounds amazing. He is one of the most athletic <laughs> men. And frankly, I think I fancy him a little bit as well. He loves a trampoline. I'm sure he does. Yeah. If he doesn't, he just doesn't know it yet. There and would then, be a lot of bloodshed mm, if he was involved. You get your omni-gun shootout, okay? So this is, they're holed up in a house and they've got omni-guns. Do you know what an omni-gun is? No. no. Right, you can put any ammunition you want in it. Whatsoever. Right. So you imagine they're in a house firing like spoons and forks. Okay. Or like grass. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say something right now, right? Yeah. We had a conversation last week about cats in movies. <laughs> How is this already weirder than that? <laughs> How? Where did you get to mine? Well, we'll go to yours. Right. It's directed by JJ Abrams because, of course, it would be. Right. Lens flare. Before you do yours, Adam. He wouldn't go anywhere near this. <laughs> yeah, he would. No, he wouldn't. He would love it. No, he wouldn't. You just, you, you chop up like some of the, the, the linear storytelling. You throw him in at the deep end. He'd right. love it. He'd love right. it. What's the name of this film again? Body Swap. Body Swap. Mm. Produced by Bad Robot. Yes. No. Didn't love it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Carry on. And um, before you do yours, Adam, I think I already know who you're going to cast. Okay. You ready? You're five. Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from the room. Nick Cage. From every, every great, <laughs> every great Cage, action film Cage. ever. Yeah. Paddington. <gasps> I wish I did now. <laughs> if he's not a real person. <laughs> yeah, but you can cast CGI. Right. Um, Charlie Sheen. And right. Ahmed Best. Do you know who that is? No. no. He played Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> right. And your villain is Jeff Goldblum. And you've directed it by David Lynch. Am I close? Uh, Adam, yeah. let's hear yours. Okay. I would say director, close with David Lynch. I wanted, because I feel like you don't have just one director, you want two for more creativity. Oh, you've gone Captain Marvel on us. Okay, go on. Have I? In terms of, okay. <laughs> Go on, go, go, go. All right, so basically I've got two directors. Yeah. Uh, David Lynch is one. With David Cronenberg. Yes. But that's not that's not an action film. That's exactly. a horror. So you put them out their comfort zone and you see <laughs> what magnificence they can create. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's get on. Like, on. Actors. Yeah. Um, Danny DeVito. You've got Nick Cage written down. I've crossed out. I that's too obvious. You would know I'll do Nick Cage. So we've got Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. Yep. Warwick Davis. <laughs> That's a brilliant combination. Hulk Hogan and Warwick Davis is an oh, amazing man. combination of people, of a cast. Go on, carry on. Dougal from uh, Father Ted. Oh, I um, forgot the name. Um, Arnold Hanlon. Uh, yeah, go on then. Uh, for future purposes, I'll refer to as Dougal. And um, John Barnes, the rapper. You've got it so good. Is that the red time? Yeah, go ahead. So Is that all he would do? He would just come on the screen when there's when there's absolute mayhem going on everywhere. There's helicopters falling from the sky, and you've just got John Barnes coming in with an old England 1990s shirt on, just singing away. Yeah. Right, well, the okay. order does a soundtrack as well. I've decided. Right, so okay. it makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, that makes sense. Oh, <laughs> um, who's your villain? Oh, my villain was uh, Dougal. Mm. Uh, other actor was there, Paris Hilton. <laughs> she is my she's my villain all the time. Well, she's not the villain here. Oh, I thought you said she was your villain. No, Dougal. No, Dougal's the Dougal's villain. Dougal's the villain. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, the plot is uh, Paris Hilton. Let 
<laughs> Paris Hilton left Dougal for John Barnes. <laughs> when, he be- when he became an excellent rapper. So right. It's an alternative universe where John Barnes <laughs> became a world famous rapper. Right. Like level of Coolio and Eminem. Right, hold on a minute. <laughs> Why are you, you're basically saying that both Coolio and Eminem are in the same realm of sort of rapability. No, but that's the two rappers I know. Carry on. Oh, George Michael was a rapper originally, wasn't he? No. Yeah, he was. One rap. <laughs> anyway, cool. right? Yeah. So basically, Paris Hilton left Dougal for John Barnes where he became this world-famous rapper. Yeah. Right? And Dougal is, like, infuriated. Yeah. So... We've got to stop calling him Dougal. <laughs> and also, also, listeners, right, just so you know, Adam has written down Dougal as D-O-O-G-L-E. Rather than the actual spelling, which should be, I think, D-O-U-G-A-L. Okay, sorry about this, Arlo Hanlon, if you're actually listening. Carry on, Adam. What's his real name? I'm sure it is Arnold. It's either Ardle or Arnold O'Hanlon. Is it O'Hanlon? I'm, I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure. I'll Just double check Dougal. this. Dougal, Carry on. Right? Dougal. Basically, Pastor left Dougal for John Barnes. John Barnes became an excellent rapper. Yeah. Right? But you see, he only became an excellent rapper because he used Warwick Davis, who was a mystic magic man. <laughs> so. Right. This is how you do this feature. Are you ready? Right? I was asked to pick. Five people in my ultimate action film with a villain, <laughs> with the story. This is how you do it. Ready? Bruce Willis, Arnie, Stallone, Gal Gadot, Carl Weathers in a film called Carnage Squared. Right? This is how you do it. The directors are John McTiernan and James Cameron. Right? Your villain is a is a conjoined twin combination of a revived from the dead Alan Rickman and John Lithgow. You bring them together, right? That's how you do it. That, this is how you do it. This Alan is how you do it. And John Lithgow. Alan Rickman, John Rickman, John Lithgow, yeah. I was told I needed living actors. Right. That's just Expendables 4, surely. Yeah. Ex- Carnage Squared, right? That's what it's called, <laughs> Why right? Is it squared? Why is it because... Squared? It's a skyscraper in the middle of a very chaotic, conflict-filled jungle. So it's skyscraper too. No. (laughs) The rock's not in a tick No, it's not. That's what I'm saying, right? Bruce Willis plays the rock. (laughs) Skyscraper in the middle of a jungle, yeah, and they have to get up to the top of the skyscraper where an alien East German terrorist is waiting for them. This is Die Hard Bam. now. It's, <laughs> look, it's what it is. It's some of the greatest 80s action movies combined together. Carnage squared. You didn't let me tell you what Hulk Hogan plays in this yet. <laughs> let me guess. He plays the president. You've read me sheet. That's, That's right. Right. right, okay, so Paris Hilton left to John Barnes. John Barnes <laughs> is a great rapper. That's because he used Warwick Davis as the mystic magic man to grant him, don't stop me, to grant him with the rapping ability, right? But Paris Hilton, distraught her boyfriend's being kidnapped by an ex, okay. goes to the president, who is Hulk Hogan, yeah. who enlists the help of Danny DeVito. Right. And Danny DeVito and Paris Hilton... They go off in search for Barnes. But of course, right, what's happened is, right, uh, or Harrow? Is that all good? Dougal. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Dougal, basically, he has held Warwick Davis, the Mystic Magic Man, to ransom, right? And basically blackmailed him 
and says, right, you're going to use your magic for me, right? So there's a lot of, like, evil, like, magic-y spirits <laughs> that, like, turn up. Okay, so, right, hold on a second, right. Of the three of us, Adam, you've created a David Lynch film out of some sort of mushroom-based nightmare. <laughs> Rob... <laughs> You've created some sort of weird Wes Anderson film that he thought about whilst he was on the toilet. Amazing. I'm the only one here that has created the ultimate action movie. You don't know the end. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Of the two of you, I don't know what you were taking at the time (laughs) when you were putting these things together. What you were watching this into, I have no idea. I'm the only one that has thought about this particular discussion and gone... That's it. That is the correct answer. It's not the correct answer. I was even I was even considering putting Bridget Nielsen in there as well because her and her massive guns that would have been fantastic. <laughs> no, right. All you need car chase or yep. dirt boating, a fight and a shootout. Yeah. If you type in action films to Google, yeah. you get like sci-fi stuff because that's what the people want. No. So you what's see, more sci-fi than body swap and trampolines? What you've done is you've basically just took all the key elements that have already been done better. Yeah. And said, "I want to do it again." Yeah, like like the Expendables. Right? Have you the boundaries. have you ever seen a film that involves a skyscraper in yes, a skyscraper. jungle? In a jungle. Oh, oh goodness, that's a new thing. How does the jungle affect yeah. the skyscraper? What's the point? Why have they built a skyscraper in, in the, the jungle? jungle? Oh, I see. So you you <laughs> so you don't believe in progression in places where there are jungles? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying you haven't explained the jungle properly. So you, that is deforestation, really. So where, where is, where is Predator gonna live? Predator doesn't live in a skyscraper. <laughs> where is Predator, Predator gonna live? Predator <laughs> needs a bit of a rest. <laughs> Predator lives in a jungle. We built a yeah? complex. <laughs> like, totally Die Hard. Predator. You know, um, Commando. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It all, mm-hmm. They all take place in. Jungle, so, well, obviously not die hard, but jungle, <laughs> jungle-based terrains and environments. So it's about amalgamating not just those great action characters, but amalgamating those great action environments as well. You didn't let me get into my my environment or his. Well, what is your environment then? It's Come a, on, Lynchy, let's hear it. It's a skyscraper in the middle of a jungle. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I'm going to give you 150 million dollars to make that film done. So now we move on to our review section and we've got two reviews this week of of films that myself and Rob have had the pleasure of watching. Well, I say pleasure. I'm not sure about this next one. So, Rob, over to you. Triple Frontier starring... Uh, Starring Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac. And... Now, I love Oscar Isaac. Uh, Poe Dameron is an amazing character. I first saw him in uh, Ex Machina, which he is phenomenal in. But then he, he seems to do other ones where I'm just, I, I can't get behind him on it. Um, and he, he really is kind of the lead for this story. Um, ben Affleck, I just felt bad for him. He was playing <laughs> sad Ben Affleck. <laughs> And so in every film, yeah. Well, I just because he's no longer Batman, I felt like it was just when they're asking him how is he doing, you could see that that was what he was going on. That he was gutted that he was no longer Batman. I think he's happier. I feel I feel like Ben Affleck gets a bad rap sometimes because he, as a director, he has made some fantastic films. Gone Baby Gone and Argo are brilliant films, filled with a lot of tension. 
um, and some fantastic characters. It's just sometimes when he gets in front of the screen, I do wonder who his agent is sometimes. He just he, he makes bad decisions with certain mm. films. And I think the recent DC-related stuff has been a bad decision. Is it um, Gone Girl that he's... Is he in that one as well? Gone Girl was an excellent film I, as I well. I really liked him in they, that one. Yeah. I love him in Dogma as well. But yeah. just in this, it, it did... He just felt very sad. I felt bad for him. So tell us the about the film. Okay, so the film is basically um, Oscar Isaac's character, Santiago Garcia, wants to put his former team back together so they can take down uh, some sort of drug lord uh, called Loria. Uh, and also this guy has an abundance of money that they want to steal because they feel hard done to. Of all the jobs they did, they never really got uh, paid for doing it. Um, it does show what Ben Affleck's uh, doing, being a realtor, and he seems shocked when the people don't want to buy the house. Um, and really, I'd be maybe thinking maybe he just needs to work on actually being able to do that better. <laughs> um, so a lot of the film, like a lot of the setup, my issue with it, it was it was all just that sort of bravado manliness, like yeah. we are men who headbutt wood and stuff like that. that Does can... anyone actually headbutt wood in the film? <laughs> they they could easily headbutt oh, right, wood, okay. but they don't, unfortunately. Right. I would have actually quite liked that because you get a very long <laughs> setup of getting these guys together and uh, uh, Santiago trying to talk them into it. Yeah. Um, so you've got the brothers, uh, which is Will Miller and Ben Miller, not that Ben Miller, but yeah. uh, the one in this. Again, same thing. I've not really, I've not seen Sons of Anarchy. So with Charlie Hunnam, I can only go off Pacific Rim, okay. which I didn't really rate him in, as well. He, he's not particularly that good in this yeah. as well. And um, and they're just, I think for this to work, you'd have to really get behind the characters. I could get what he was trying to do, and it's kind of felt caught between two things of really unpicking the people who would do this sort of thing, mm. um, against sort of just creating some good fun action. So I don't know. How, can what, I go into spoilers? Are you... You, well, as long as we give enough warning. What What was your expectations before going into the film? Because it's directed by J.C. Chander. Yes, who and I made saw Catherine Bigelow as executive producer. Yeah, for coming up. And J.C. Chander made a most violent year, mm-hmm. and that's a cracking film uh, about a, a really really good crime film. Mm-hmm. And that's I think is either available on Netflix or Amazon Prime at the moment. So. My expectations, I mean, I, obviously I didn't watch it, but my expectations would have been to see that same calibre of, of filmmaking going on. I'd say it just, it, it loses a lot of momentum. Right. A lot of momentum uh, later on. Because um, in fairness, you get the, the actual job that they go out to do happens probably bang in the middle. Yeah. And it's more the fallout afterwards. And... But you just you get sort of the the ideas where it's it's poor choices on the characters, right? And it, this comes down mainly to Affleck's character um, uh, to to be against what Santiago is wanting to do and play it off, I, and you get sort of a sense of what they want you to yeah. feel, but it's just never really. But like the Hurt Locker would just really push you into that and really make you think about the choices that they're making, yeah. It, it doesn't quite get to that. So does it kind of? Is it? Does it just skim the surface? Yeah, it doesn't go as deep as those films like The Hurt Locker. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. So you can get sort of ideas of it and, and and stuff that could go deeper, but it just never seems to quite realize what it wants to okay. do. Ben um, Affleck, what was he like? He was all right, but like, like I've seen him do better in other things, and uh, I I felt his his character was kind of. Uh, cut short 
really? I, I, I expect. What do you mean by cut short? Uh -oh. Spoilers. Oh, right. spoilers. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. So they kind of set him up to be sort of the antagonist. So they they go into this house and they find there's there's loads more money um, than they thought before. They were only taking uh, 75 million and they end up taking 250 million from this house. So it's all in terms of with their characters being it, it's that greed and that's what it tries to unpick about who would actually do this. Right. And it's very much Ben Affleck's character is the one to to govern this to make sure they can get out safe. Right. And he wants to take more money than uh, than they've agreed to. So then uh, when they get to the helicopter there's too much weight and then that causes where the pilot Pedro Pascal can't fly up so the helicopter crashes. So it's all setting up for this you know you could have a really powerful scene where everything comes to a head but before it does a bullet comes to Ben Affleck's head instead. Wow. Yeah, you get but the issue here is I didn't care for these characters and I think it kind of wanted you to but throughout it I was just thinking please just kill them off like just kill them like it's not a good sign in a film is it not, no I, I and I kind of got the sense that it kind of wanted me to do that but when you do that then you need you need to break it down a bit more yeah and um, so when they rolled over Ben Affleck and um, his I don't know his face just made me laugh <laughs> so which I feel bad about you shouldn't laugh when people get shot in the head so as a film yeah. um you know when we talked when we talked about Captain Marvel last year, yeah. and we asked the question: Would it be a would it be deemed as a classic in fifteen years' time? Yeah, no. Is it something that would stand the test of time? Is it is it a timeless film? No, not in no. I, I think it's it's very much it's watchable. Yeah, um, you could put yourself through it, but I, I wouldn't rush. To, <laughs> I wouldn't rush to put it on. It it just doesn't doesn't engage. There's, there's there was no hook that I could really get into. There was no characters that I could just latch onto. And it, it it just felt very very passive, um, being engaged. So yeah, I just wanted them all to die. All to die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Aaron decided to watch a film that I really wanted to watch, but instead <laughs> I watched Triple Frontier, um, and that's the the film Free Solo, um, which looks like a fascinating tale. Um, about rock climbing, as far as I can tell. Yeah, so Free, Free Solo tells the true story. It's a documentary and tells the story of Alex Honnold, who, Honnold, who is one of the greatest um, rock climbers. And he climbs without ropes. He does a lot of his big feats without the use of ropes. Um, and I believe he's in his mid to late 20s and he lives in his van um, and he travels around a lot and he eats directly out of like a saucepan and all this sort of stuff. He he cares not much for anything else except for the thrill of climbing. And uh, my expectations going into watching this documentary is that it had won um, the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature. It had won the BAFTA for Best Documentary Feature. Um, it, Mark Kermode, sort of the great sort of British film critic, had had, had been very very um, high praise for it as well, and so I was really looking forward to watching something that was going to make me feel really on the edge of my seat and and actually really fear for this person as well, and that is exactly what I got. I hate it, you. 
It, it was yeah. I'm 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 sorry about the whole triple front. I definitely got the better of the two in terms of my viewing time. So right at the beginning, um, you you get a real sense that Alex is very much a, a lone ranger, so to speak. Obviously, he has lots of climbing friends, and he looks up to lots of people, and he does some fantastic things for. He creates he created a foundation where he gives a third of his income to to helping people in sort of um, in, in more sort of impoverished countries um, and villages. Um, but one of the first things he says, and I'm paraphrasing here, is he says, I would pick climbing over having a girlfriend. And that kind of that kind of tells you about really what sticks as the biggest sort of priority in his mind. Um, and his friend, Tommy, I think that's his name, um, who's another fantastic sort of free solo climber, said... Um, Free solo climbing is like, especially when you're doing big, big feats, is imagine a golden medal Olympic athlete trying to achieve the gold medal, but if they don't, they die. <laughs> so it's that idea of if you achieve it, it's that amazing feeling of huge, huge sense of triumph and, and celebration. But if you don't achieve it, that's the consequence of it. You don't have to worry about it for long. Yeah, exactly. Because you'll be brown bread. Yeah. Um, but there's, actually, there's there's two journeys going on in this film. So the the main journey is him and his and these professional climbers helping him to prepare for um, climbing what's called El Capitan, which is three thousand two hundred feet of pure sort of cliff of granite, and it looks terrifying. Even on television, when you stand when you're just sitting there watching, it looks it looks massively scary, massively intimidating. But the other journey that's going on is that during the time of the film of the documentary, he gets a girlfriend. Right. And the girlfriend is lovely, really caring for him, really understands his his the, the things that he's wanting to do in life. You know, she's very happy to sort of, you know, from time to time stay with him in his van and all that sort of stuff. But as she obviously grows more emotionally attached to him, she starts to realise that actually the thing that he's doing, this climb up El Capitan, is is going to potentially be the end of their relationship because he will pick doing that over her. Um, the cinematography is incredible. It, at points, I, I had Ashley, my wife, sitting next to me whilst I was watching this, and there was points where the camera is hanging over the top whilst he's free climbing up, free solo climbing up. And there's points where I'm, I had like... I, like I was digging my fingers into her leg. Not, uh, I'm, I'm not talking. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> it was, it was that. so, it was so, it was so, like the magnitude of what he was doing was fist clenching. You could feel yourself tightening up. You can, you can feel yourself. Like there was points where I had to remember to breathe because there's parts where he's got, he's got his limbs caught in sort of the cracks. Yeah in the cliff edges and you you do you feel yourself like going <gasps> like that and you you have to remember to breathe it, it's the the manner in which the story is told and because you care for him as a person because he's such a lovely guy and you care about him you care about him achieving this feat so much because you know if he doesn't achieve it he's dead and him climbing that cliff is like that the, the last the last sort of twenty half an hour to twenty minutes is him have him having a go at it and obviously you know um, you can't really spoil this film because I think it's 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 a it's a documentary but when he's climbing it you genuinely you're like by the end you want to be like 
like fist bump in the air for him. And there's what's really interesting for me is that they talk about oh doing certain parts. There's one bit of the 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 cliff edge called Boulder Problem. You're damn right it's a problem. <laughs> he's like he's like twelve, fourteen hundred feet up in the air. Yeah. And there's a part where he's talking about he, he writes it in his climbing journal and he's talking about I need to put uh, my hands into these dimples. He's not talking about holes in the rocks. He's talking about dimples with half a thumb here, half a finger there. And all of that description, it makes it even more intense. It's funny you say that because I've seen very little of it. And Mm. there's one scene that just made us want to watch it. And I think it must be that way. It's really close camera. Yeah. And just his fingers just on the edge there. Yeah. And knowing how much strain that takes yeah. to be able to do that, it yeah. just made, made us think, well, that's ridiculous that someone's going to do that on their, yeah. on their climb. The, the amount of, I, I think for him, I think you realise that it's almost like his meditation. It's his, it's his way of focusing his life. And I, I, I found him an inspirational uh, person. But more importantly, the documentary, we obviously asked this question about, you know, if, if films, documentaries, it, it, will they stand 15 years? Will yeah. they be timeless? Will they be classic? Hands down, this is in the top five documentaries I've ever seen in my life, easily. And I wish I'd seen it in an IMAX cinema. Actually, I don't because I think I've, if, I think <laughs> I think if I had seen it in an IMAX cinema, I, pro- I probably would have collapsed out of asphyxiation, self-asphyxiation because it's so, yeah. So it's it's available. It, I watched it on National Geographic Channel. I'm sure it will be something that they will repeat again and again and again. So if you've got National Geographic, do watch it. Or if you if you can maybe watch it on catch up. Um, or see it on DVD or whenever it might come out through those formats. It is, yeah, single-handedly the most one of the most intense documentaries I've ever watched, one of the most life-affirming documentaries I've ever watched, but easily one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. So if someone tells you to watch Triple Frontier, watch, <laughs> <laughs> watch Free Solo instead. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're obviously two very different films, aren't they? And yeah. I guess it, I guess yeah, it depends. Good, bad. <laughs> and I guess it depends on what it is that you're after. But I think if you like boredom, watch my. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exhilarating. Something upon the DVD cover. <laughs> if, you if you like, like boredom, <laughs> watch this. And now it is time for the good, the bad, and the Bowron. Adam, it's over to you. Tell us about a bad film that you think is underrated that you feel that we need to watch. I see. I think the problem with like bad films now is it's that bad. No, is that they are made to be bad to be good. It's like Sharknado. That was. M- I'll not talk about that one. Cause that was made to be bad. Right. I get what you mean. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, this one... It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't taking itself seriously. Yeah. yeah. This one, I think, is caught in the middle where it wasn't meant to be good, but it becomes so bad at being bad, it then becomes good. Okay. Um, this sounds like one of your David Lynch films again. This is a, a 2012 film. It, had a, it has a 1.6 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> good stuff. Okay. And in 2015, 
it was the lowest rated film on the site. Okay. <laughs> and this film was uh, Jurassic Shark. <laughs> okay. Right, tell us about the plot then. The plot? Oh, strap yourself in, guys. <laughs> basically, it follows two... Follows two story arcs, basically. Yeah. You've got these students... And they have to do some research. Yeah. It's not clear what, but they're at a lake. Uh, you've got the stereotypical, you've got the one that's like, oh, I'm studying. Yeah. You've got the one that's like, oh, I'm here to get my suntan. And you've got a one that's just there. Um... <laughs> okay, carry on. Stereotype. <laughs> research suntan there. there. Just existing. Just right. being cast I'll give you a clue who dies first. Right. <laughs> Anyway, and then you've got these robbers. Now, they're in the... <laughs> Are they on, like, on holiday as well? These robbers? No, they're on a boat. They're on job. They're on a boat. Right. And right. they just got away from job. They've stolen, they've stolen a painting. Okay. And uh, what they've done is, by accident... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> they've dropped the painting. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. They've dropped the painting in the lake. Right. Right. And they're like, oh, <laughs> we need to go and get it because it's worth loads of money. I don't know how patents survive in lakes. Yeah. But, uh, so they have to go and get it. But then all of a sudden, scientist guy, lets, they've been digging for Do oil. Scientist, is this the one on the beach who studies? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No, 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 no scientist guy. No, guy. A new character. In a research facility, which is obviously just a hallway <laughs> they found in some building. Is he build scientist guy? Yeah. Okay, cool. Go on. He's been, they've been drilling for oil. Mm. Yeah. And they've cracked into some ice. Right. right? And it's released a megalodon. <laughs> a Jurassic shark. A Jurassic shark. Okay. Hence the title. Right. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, the whole point is that uh, this megalodon's been let out. Yeah. And the robbers, they need to get the painting back. So, <laughs> so hold on. So, <laughs> Why is so, does it, so does the film initially start off as about people trying to rob a painting? No. And then, <laughs> rob, so how does it... Right. Does it do a does it do a from dusk till dawn where it goes from being a kind of a crime slash kidnap film into being a mad vampire no, movie? No. The opening scene. Yeah. Right. We meet two uh, girls that we'll never see ever again because they get killed. <laughs> yes. Right. You're clever here. Yeah. Right. What happens is they get in the lake and like, oh, let's splash about. So very okay. And so very Jaws like. Yeah. Yeah. But wait for this. The scene feels like it takes five minutes, and all they're doing is splashing water each other. Right. But the splash sound doesn't match up with the actual splash <laughs> of the water. So it'll okay. the handle move, then a second later it'll go. Shh. Is that not just because you watched it on a dodgy copy? Or no, something I like bought that? every I, copy is I a dodgy paid, copy. <laughs> yeah. I paid five pound for this. You okay. paid for this. <laughs> I'll have some. So basically, uh, and that killed. So sauce shark. Anyway. The robbers get off and like we need the painting back. So does the, the shark has the painting? Like he's gonna no. he's gonna sell it himself. Like, why does the shark no. have the painting? No, the painting. Got no use for the painting. <laughs> the paint has been dropped in the lake. Hold on, okay. Jurassic Shark <laughs> colon the Thomas Crown affair. There we go. And like right, when you get the painting back, yeah. Well, so one of them goes in to get it. Just dive straight in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because the door. You're getting quick yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, they don't know about the shark yet, right? Right. There's like hints like, ooh, the boat's rocking a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. It's unusual <laughs> for a boat. <laughs> so, like, boat's right. acting weird. <laughs> they said, there's two brothers, by the way, and one of the brothers goes in, mm. right? Yeah. 
and it goes, and it gets killed, right? Mm. So like, not the brother. <laughs> now, this is the best moment of it. Now, what would you think would happen if your brother had been eaten by what you assumed was a was a dead shark, like a, a shark, dead shark? No, like a shark that shouldn't exist anymore. Yeah, a, a prehistoric yeah. shark. All oh, right. How so would they? So the other brother would, sees. How? This you mean he says something which is just totally out of the ordinary? <laughs> what would you do if you just see your brother? Be torn apart by a shark. Um, I, yeah, I'd feel pretty devastated. <laughs> yeah. What does he do? Scream. Do you say where are you going? <laughs> no. He goes, oh Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> like typical Jerry. <laughs> oh, oh, he's oh my Classic Jerry. It's all tell mum. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, right? He's the best character because spoilers. <laughs> uh, he gets killed. By a pebble being chucked at him. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that pebble like actually like a massive boulder? Are you underestimating the pebble? Where's the pebble here? Not on a beach. No, where's it here? Like, no. <laughs> Who froze the pebble? Basically, right. So I'll get round to where the plot goes, right? Right. So they're like, right, we can't send any of the rest of us in. Oh, there's some lasses on the beach. Let's force them to do it, right? Oh. So they do that, right? And I don't know why I don't do it straight away. They walk about for a bit. There's a scene where... <laughs> because it's called Jurassic <laughs> Shark. <laughs> Basically, they walk in a forest. Yeah. And what happens is, um, that's all. Like, they walk in a forest, but there's no dialogue. There's no music. <laughs> it's just a... It's a ten-minute-long scene of walking in the forest. So, uh, okay. So, the, the Jurassic Shark... <laughs> yeah. It's CG? Yeah, d- yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Clearly CGI. Um, if you thought it was real, I'll get tested. <laughs> right, okay. It's reality. So for, cat, for like for cataracts or yes. something like that. All right, All right. so so it's, it's clearly very low production value. I hope so. Is there anybody famous in it or like a D-lister or anyone like that? Um, I did look into it. Right. Um, there was one, there was a director. Yeah. Which I was surprised at. <laughs> no, there wasn't, uh, which is a shit. Actually, no, there's, I think, one. I forgot the name, but she's Paris in... Paris Hilton. <laughs> she's in a soup of some sort. Right. And I don't think it's me, it's just there. Like, you know, all the people who are... <laughs> like, like the guy who is like, there on Like the an American soap or an Australian soap or like Home Australian, and Away. Australian, Like Home and Away, yeah. and Home and Away yeah. or Neighbours, right? I'm okay. not saying that for sure. So, so okay. You can't sue me. Right. So, what... Okay. So, how are you... So, remember, the whole point of this is that you're selling the film to me that. and Rob. I'm getting okay, to that. Okay, go on in. So, um, you have to see him where they're in the forest for yeah. 10 minutes with no dialogue, no music. Just legit walking. But they changed the camera angle a few times, which I admired, right? I didn't think they would. Yeah. Um, the guy, I'll tell you the guy gets killed by the pebble because you, you're on the edge of your seat, and see. Can't wait. Um, they, what they do is they get grenades. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they've got them. <laughs> they get grenades. So it's like, a grenade, not a pebble. Yeah. So what the point is, they're going to chuck the girls in the lake. <laughs> they're going to chuck the girls in the lake. As look, like bait? Yeah. Right. Right. And like, we've got some grenades and we'll kill the shark or go in for the painting. I don't know if the painting survived yet because it's been in the lake for at least two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that oil is gone. Those pastels are gone for, isn't they? Right. <laughs> it's amazing. Then the girl's like, right, I've got an idea, right? Chucks a pebble, hits him in the chest, gets a shock, drops his grenade on himself. And blows himself up. Right? Oh, <laughs> what? So he didn't get killed by a pebble. He no, gets killed by the grenade. But you see, this is the thing is, this guy is about seven foot tall with muscles 
like about six foot wide, right? A pebble. So he's a unit. He's a unit, right? right? And and it's a, a pebble. It's a pebble about an inch big. Hits him, gets a shock, and blows himself up. Now I'm going to put where I sell it to you. Let's go. You've got fifty seconds. Basically, this is it's just entertaining. I've never laughed so much in my entire watching a film. Like I'm telling you, just. Are you including <laughs> actual comedies that are really funny in, yes. in, in that statement? I've never watched a comedy where I've laughed so much because the guy obviously wants to make a so bad it's good film because yeah. of the low CGI. Yeah. Right? But he fails on that front so much that's just complete and utter garbage that becomes most hilarious and quintessential piece of cinema that defines the 21st century. I want to watch it. <laughs> Wait until you see the woman Yeah, robot. I do for some I reason. I really want to watch it. If anything, just to know what's actually on that painting. <laughs> you don't see. You don't even see what's on the painting. You don't even get to see what's on the it's painting. It's been in the water so long. How you, would you? It's wrapped up in a um, paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a film? And that's why it's 1.8 out of 10 on IMDb. 1.6. <laughs> And now it is time for your 30-second recommendations. Uh, Rob, you're going to go first. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Right, I'm recommending I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Um, so it's a film on Netflix. It's fantastic. It's got Elijah Wood in it and another person. Um, <laughs> it's just it's, it's a great film. It. It, it just looks into how someone would feel if they got robbed and the extremes that they might go to and just keeps ramping up the tension. Um, so it's so a very limited in terms of uh, scope and stuff it does, but, but amazing anyway. And uh, Elijah Wood's in it. Good work. That was actually 28 seconds. You could have had two seconds oh, in there. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. <laughs> right, ready? Oh, yes. Three, two, one, go. One of the most underrated films of our generation, Nightcrawler, is a fantastic, chilling, creepy film about a very lonely man who picks up a camera and starts recording um, accidents, incidents, crimes around Los Angeles and sells the footage to an even creepier and even darker uh, TV executive. Um, for me, Jake Hall's greatest film as well. Um, if you've yet to catch it, it is on Netflix and I would thoroughly recommend um, it, it. It's a great Friday night movie. That's 35 seconds. That was Sorry about that. Uh, Nightcrawler, yes. Yeah. Immense. Yeah, have you seen Nightcrawler, Adam? No. It's not what I thought no. it would be. But like, I will definitely watch I Don't Feel Netflix, at Home in so this world anymore. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Excellent. It's worth watching. Right, that's us done. So uh, I've been Aaron Day. This has been... Adam Bowron. And this has been... Rob Brend. And we've, uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed your company. So thanks very much for listening to us. Give us the outro. I'm leaving here. That'll work. <laughs> Bye, everybody.